chapter. We're back in Romans. We're back in Romans. It's been a couple months, but uh, Lord willing, and and uh, the, we're gonna we're gonna continue where we left off. And and let's do this. Go to Romans one, and just to get caught up, I believe we're down to verse eight. But I want to begin at verse one. Like I said, it's been a while. Let's start in verse one. Let's read down through verse ten. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Romans 1, 1 through 10. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's quite an introduction, isn't it? And we spent several weeks just going through those verses. But oh my goodness, what, what a what a word of introduction. Look at all that he talked about in that. Look at the message that is in all of those seven verses. Now, verse. let's read the verse 8 through 10. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. So so let's pray one more time. I love that old Puritan prayer. So Father, as we come to your word, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And, and who we are not, make us. And it's in Christ's name I pray and for His sake. Amen. Amen. See, the, the Apostle Paul started out, I love, I love even those first seven verses, introducing himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. We spent one whole sermon talking about that, being a slave for Christ, separated and called to be an apostle of the gospel of God. The apostle Paul was all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. We're in the book of Romans. We're going to be talking about this over and over and over again. Because the Apostle Paul was about the gospel of God. And then Paul has told us that, that this gospel was planned long ago. That, that's about God's Son. Jesus Christ our Lord, who was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, having come through the lineage of David. The gospel of God is about the risen Christ, which came forth triumphant from the dead as the reigning Son of God with power. Then Paul continues with the gospel that through him, through the Lord, we have received grace and apostleship to call people from all the Gentiles to obedience to the faith. And then he goes on to say that you are among those called to belong to Jesus Christ, that you are beloved of God, loved by God, and are called saints. 
So every born-again believer that's here this morning, you're a saint. You're a saint. Now, we may not always live like one or walk like one, but if we are born again, if we're born of God, we are a saint clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so here is a group of, of born-again believers within the city of Rome, and, and imagine that, imagine that, being in Rome, and they've been called by God to belong to Jesus Christ, and they were beloved of God, loved by God. And although Paul has never been here, he's not been to Rome, and he's not been there to see these saints, he, he states in verse 8, do I have just verse 8 by itself? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. I thank my God. And what is he thanking God for? Because he'd heard of their faith. He'd heard of their faith. And, and not only that, but others throughout the whole world, the whole world has been talking about this group of believers in Rome. Now, now I don't believe that it's talking that everybody on the face of the planet at this time had heard about these people. So I, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's talking about that, that, that there are people throughout the whole world, and for the most part it was probably believers, other believers, that had heard about this group of believers in Rome and, and that they are talking about them. I, yeah, I can imagine the conversation. Hey, did, did, did you hear that? I heard there's believers in Rome. Can, can you imagine that, that wicked city, that, that there, there is a group that are there and, I, and I've heard that their faith is strong, that, that they're standing firm in their faith. I, I can't imagine being there and trying to take a stand for Christ because that their very life would be at stake. Perhaps we've got it bad over here, but could you imagine being there in, in Rome and all the wickedness because, you see, see we know... You know, what's that big round building there in the middle in Rome, the Colosseum? And, and I don't know what all was going on there at this particular time. I didn't get the history out and look that up. But we know that there were periods of time where Christians didn't fare very well in the Colosseum, did they? They, they, they were there for games to be slaughtered, you see. And so here is this group of people born-again believers in this wicked city. And they have a, can I say it this way? They have a reputation. It's okay for me to say that, isn't it? They, they have a reputation that they are known for their faith. You know, and I can stop there. What about Arcadia Valley Community Church? What are we known for? I, I hope that we might be known for our faith. Well, how do we exhibit faith to others? By believing the Word of God and doing it. Can, can I bring it down that simple? How, how will, can we exhibit our faith to others by reading the Word of God, trusting it, believing it, and doing what it says? And, and that will show our faith to the world. And, and so, can we talk about faith without going to the book of James? No, not, not me anyway. And so, so let's go, go ahead and turn to the book of James, the second chapter. Because you see, we want to trust and obey. 
For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. To trust Him and obey. To do those things He is asking us to do, those good works that He has placed before us, not that we would get a pat on the back, not for our glory, but for whose glory? For His glory. For His glory. Not for ours, but for His glory. Uh, I've heard some, some say, and I forget who it is now, and I know we've listened to some who say, for the fame of His name. And I forgot which one we've listened to that says that. For the fame of His name. For His glory. For His glory. Uh, let, let's look at uh, James. We're going to read quite a little chunk here. Begin in verse 14. We're going to read through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, uh, I don't know what translation everybody reads Uh, The NASB and the ESV will read, Can that faith save him? See, and perhaps an even clearer rendering of that would be, Can that kind of faith save him? If someone says that he has faith but does not have works, can that kind of faith, a faith without works, save him? And then, uh, you know, faith without works is dead. Then then James makes this... uh, often controversial statement. So you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. <laughs> and, and see, and that's where somebody will stand up and say, now wait a minute, preacher. Wait a minute, preacher. I thought it was through faith we're saved. Yes, yes, saved by, here, you know this, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, based on the authority of the Holy Scriptures alone. Yes. Saved by grace alone. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace you are saved through faith. And I believe what is saying, and that faith was not yours. It was granted to you. It was a gift of God. That, that was that quickening ray to give us, give us faith that we might see and believe. But lest anyone could boast. There will be no one in heaven that can boast of, of their own self of how they got to heaven. Oh, I'm here because I did this and this. and No, nobody will be there boasting of themselves. But they will be boasting of the cross of Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast, Paul said, save in the cross of Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then in Romans 3, verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, in the Lord's sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, Paul is saying that there is no salvation earned through the keeping of the law. Because sinful man is utterly incapable of perfectly keeping the law. (laughs) I didn't put verse 19 there, but verse 19 said that every mouth will be stopped and all will be made silent. No boasting of keeping the law because no one could and no one can keep the law perfectly. No one. So all the world guilty before the Lord. Uh, Galatians 2, Galatians 2, verse 16. So we were in Ephesians 2, Romans 3, now Galatians 2. Now listen to the Apostle Paul here. Galatians 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me pause there. It doesn't get any plainer or clearer than that, does it? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Now, does the law even have a place today? Yes, it does. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but but the Apostle Paul said, How would I have known sin unless the law told me, Thou shalt not steal? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. So the law still has a purpose to, to show us our sin. But, but we can do nothing about that. We can't keep the law of ourselves. And then, then the good news. Then the good news. Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, salvation is only by grace through faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Well, well wait a minute. But, but James... Just said, faith without works is dead, and that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now, listen, everybody listen. Paul says, faith alone in Christ alone, to which James would say, amen. He would. He would say, yes, amen. And then, and then James may say, but, but, but Paul, uh, yes, it, it's, it's, it's faith alone in Christ alone, but, but perhaps you need to say, but saving grace, saving faith is never alone. See, see, James would, now be sure, you, be sure, Paul, you know, we need to talk about this. You know, it, it's, it's faith alone and Christ alone, but saving faith is never alone. It will be followed by what? Works. By, by good works. Always be accompanied by good works. You know, it, it, an evidence of saving faith 
is that it will be followed by good works. Now we read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You know what verse 10 says, but let's put it up there. For we are His workmanship. Those who are in Christ, those who are born again, we are His workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus by His hand. Created in Christ Jesus for what? You say it. Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, now I take that to mean that every one of us when we arise in the morning, that there's something that the Lord has out there for us. Now it may not be something grand, or that we would think is grand, but it would be for His plan and purpose. Even if it's something that would seem very small. Perhaps someone comes across your mind, well, I need to call them. I need, I need to run by and see them. I need to just say a prayer. That, that God has good works out there already waiting for us. And, and I just, and I want to point this out. And, and, and I did this when we went through the book of James. Because remember this, that James and the Apostle Paul were fighting on different fronts, so to speak. Their wars were different. Uh, Paul was battling an attitude of works righteousness. Now, dealing with people that thought they could work their way to heaven. That, that's, that's a lot of who Paul was dealing with. And James was battling those who had just come out of that system of works righteousness and now had fallen in the ditch on the other side of saying, since we are saved by grace through faith, then sin that grace may abound. And what did Paul say? Absolutely not! Exclamation mark. But, but that's what Paul was battling with. Uh, uh, the, 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 they're saying, well, we're saved through faith and not of keeping the law, so, so we can just do whatever we want to. We don't have to do any good works or anything. So with Paul, it was works, righteousness, legalism. You know, okay, I've I, I got to keep my, keep my list of, of do's and don'ts. You know, if I, if I keep my little list and, and I do all these things, then I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm in. I'm in. I'm good. And, and then with James, you know, easy believism, which is, which is still rampant in the church today, amen? Easy believism. Say a little prayer, sign a little card, take a little class, go through baptism, and, and voila, you're in. Well, I don't need to do anything else. And I know I've shared the story when I was working down at Glover and talking to a guy, and he said, oh, I've got my baptism card, I'm good. He was trusting his eternal salvation on having a baptismal certificate. No. James says to these people, but faith without works is dead. Faith without works is not a saving faith. And James, he gave us, we read, did you get the illustration that he gave us? He, he compared faith without works to words of compassion without corresponding acts of compassion. You know, if, if someone says uh, you know, there's someone out there and, and they, they don't have enough food, they don't have enough clothing, they, they don't have uh, just the basic needs of life, and, and, and someone says, well, but it'll be warm and be filled and, and does nothing of practical help, then of what good was the words they said? It's no good. It's nothing. It was nothing. What good was it? It, it was no good. It was worthless. So, so let's look in 1 John 3. 1 John 3. 
Let's read verse 17 through 19. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. What is an evidence that someone is of the truth, that they have saving faith? They love. (laughs) They love. Uh, Not just in word or in tongue. You know, don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. You've heard that. Indeed, and in truth, in good works, true saving faith will always be followed by good works. Amen? Can we all say amen to that? I hope we can. And here, now, I want to I add this. And everybody listen. Everybody listen. Will the presence of good works always mean the presence of saving faith? No. No. See, there's millions of people on the face of this earth. They're banking on this one. They're just doing a multitude. Because a lost person can do good works, can't they? You know, a people can be very benevolent. And, and though I give all my riches to the poor, but have not love, what is it? It's just a, a clanging symbol. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. There must be love. must be the love of God. So the presence of good deeds cannot be used as an argument of the presence of faith. Turn it the other way. But the absence of good deeds may be used to argue the absence of faith. Can I say it? Is that okay? The presence of good deeds... So that's why I write stuff down because uh, you know I set my office and I think about these things and, and uh, well, I need to write that down. And so I write it down so I don't get it messed up when I get up here. The presence of good deeds cannot be used to argue the presence of faith, but the absence of good deeds may be used to argue the absence of faith. Well, you, you say you have faith. Well, what about your life? Where's your good works? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of the Spirit? James says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is not a saving faith. So are we saved by works? Let's drive it home. No, no, no. Titus, the third chapter. Titus, the third chapter. We read these verses. We know I read this a lot. But, boy, there's such good stuff here. Titus, the third chapter, verses 5 through 8. Let's look at 5 through 7, and I'm going to pause there just for a moment before we put verse 8 up. Titus 3, 5 through 8. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. How? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He, whom the Lord, poured out on us abundantly. How? Through Christ Jesus our Savior. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal 
life. Now, <laughs> so, so we are justified by His grace. Well, what about good works? Is, does good works need to follow this saving grace? Well, you keep reading. That's why I held off on verse 8, because now look at verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain what? Good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So, so here, James, if you just stopped after verse 7, you could say, well, okay, well okay, I'm saved by grace. Justified by grace. Don't need to do good works. And then what's he say? Oh, here's the faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm to you constantly. I want to be telling you this over and over and over again so that you can get it. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Again, what is the evidence of having received true faith? It will always be followed by good deeds, by good works. Uh, you see, of an unbelieving people, you know, Paul wrote in Titus, uh, the, the first chapter, the 16th verse, they profess to know God, but they deny Him, how? By their works. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good works because they don't know God. Oh, they say they know God. Oh, yeah, look at all this stuff I'm doing. Oh, yeah, I know God. Me and Him are just like this. He's my friend. Now, now, now let's go back for, for just a little while to the, to the faithful saints in Rome. Now, apparently... Apparently, they have been exhibiting good works. Their faith has been made known throughout the region, and Paul thanks God for it. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That is, all I believe, all the believers, all those of true saving faith, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So, so Paul is thankful that he hears of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he's thankful for. If they're following Jesus Christ... It, because faith can be in a multitude of things, can it? You know, if someone says they have faith in God, you kind of need to narrow that down. Which God? Don't you? So I believe that Paul is thankful for the Roman saints for they have a passion to see the name of Christ exalted above the nations. And we should, shouldn't we? Have a passion to see the name of Christ exalted above the nations. Uh, let's look at uh, verses 4 and 5 in Romans 1. And declared, and, and who is declared? This is talking of Christ. And Christ declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for His name. For obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. For the name of Christ. Now, that, that verse 5. Uh, and again, I'm just going to say the ESV. Uh, for the sake of His name among all the nations. That, that we would do it for the sake of His name. Of Jesus Christ. 
And so it, it seems that, that, that Paul is saying that when faith spreads, when true faith spreads, the name of Jesus, of Jesus lifted high. That He is exalted and honored. I believe that's what he means by for the sake of His name. Now, John Piper talks about this kind of thing a lot. Let me just read. Let me just read a little quote from John Piper. Quote, The name of Jesus here stands for the fame of His truth and wisdom and power and beauty and dependability. God has seen Jesus Christ. Paul has seen Jesus Christ and knows Him and loves Him and has a passion to see others know and love and exalt Him. So when it happens, he is thankful. This was his, this was his life and his calling and his mission. Let everything be done for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. Let every plan we frame and every choice we make have this aim to make much of Jesus Christ. To show that he is the greatest person and the greatest treasure, the greatest savior. Of the world. In quote, that's good, isn't it? You know, John Piper. He, he's, he's. I thank the Lord for John Piper. Uh, it was some of his preaching years ago that the Lord used to open my eyes to to a lot of truth of the Word of God. So I thank the Lord for John Piper. So I believe that these Roman saints were presenting Jesus Christ as their greatest treasure. That's why they were. Known throughout the region. They, they were lifting up Christ as the greatest treasure. And I believe that their faith was made evident, made known throughout the region by their visible acts of sacrificial love. Because faith without works is what? Dead. And so if their faith is being made known throughout the region, what does that tell us? That they're about the Lord's business. That they're about doing those things that would please the Lord. And then, uh, you know, I must ask myself, does my life display Jesus Christ? See, examine yourself today. What's been on display? I talked about it in some of the emails that we put out over the last several weeks. Well, what's on display during this time of the virus? What's on display that the other world, that everyone in the world sees of us? Are we displaying faith? Or are we displaying fear and worry and everything else? See, may, may we display faith. May, may we lift up the name of Jesus. That He will supply my every need. Uh, may, may others look at us in amazement of how we're going through a tough time. See, that, isn't that what we want? We don't want them to look at us and see somebody all broken down and pitiful. Let, let them see someone who is going through a trial of life and yet have joy. So that they might ask, I, I know what you're going through. How, how, can you, how can you still have joy? And then you can share Christ. Well, 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 I tell you, my, my joy is not based on circumstance. My joy is based on who I know. And it's Jesus Christ. Because I know this world is only temporary. And I know that what I'm going through is very temporary in, in the grand scheme of eternity that, that even my whole life is but a vapor. And so I'm trusting Him in whom I will live with forever. 
Do you know him? See that? See how you can take and, and use an opportunity to, to talk to others about Christ? That God's purpose in the world is not merely to produce invisible faith in human hearts, but I believe his aim is for his glory to be visible through his children. Is that an okay statement? God's purpose in the world is not merely to produce invisible faith in human hearts, but his aim is for his glory to be visible. And I believe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, you know this, uh, you've perhaps taught your kids to sing a little song, this little light of mine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And we know that Paul talked about in Galatians that, that, that it's this faith is faith working through love. Faith working through love. So, so may we remember that. That here were these believers that were being made known throughout the region said throughout the whole world and we're willing to do all this and, th- and think about that knowing that they're putting their very lives at risk but still the fame of his name went out it was like that scripture I read earlier from the apostle Paul I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's there, but the Spirit has told me it's going to be pain, it's going to be torture, it's going to be chains. But I'm not concerned about that. What moves me is the joy of the Lord. What moves me is to go and do what He is asking me to do. And I believe that's what these people are doing. And and then, there it is. You want an application? Well, there it is. Examine yourself. Examine myself. Examine myself in the light of the works, the works that are before me. Does my good deeds, my good works give testimony that I have saving faith? So I guess we're examining ourselves and we say, well, wait a minute. I, maybe they don't. Well, here, here's the two things that could be going on. Either either you're you're a born again believer and you're walking in disobedience, which could be. And and if you continue on that path, that he will bring you back. He'll not leave you out there. He will bring you back and you may not enjoy the way he will bring you back. I hope we all understand that. Because a loving, faithful and true Heavenly Father disciplines those He loves. When we get out of bounds, when we get walking away from Him, He'll not let us continue because nothing can take us out of His hand. Nothing, nothing, not even ourselves. He will bring us to our knees. Have you ever been there before? I have. Sometimes it's not pleasant for me, but the outcome of it is pleasant because the outcome the outcome will be glorious to be back in fellowship with Him. Sins forgiven. Set back on the, as people say, the straight and narrow. Following Him and looking to Him and trusting Him. So, so if, if your good works is not matching up, 
one thing, it could be that you're just walking in disobedience. What's the other option? There's only two. You don't have saving faith. See, there's, there's only two ways to look at it. Either you're a child of God walking in disobedience, or you don't have saving faith. Well, preacher, how do I know I have saving faith? Call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Read His Word. What does His Word say? Call upon Him and, and pray, Lord, help me that I may know. We, we read, read from First uh, John, uh, toward the end of First of, of John, I, I tell you these things so that you may know that you're a child of God. Perhaps read the book of First John. And pray, and pray, and pray, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And as He would reveal light and, and faith, believe, receive Christ, repent, believe, turn from your sin, and follow Him, and live according to His Word, and being empowered by the Holy Spirit, which resides in every born-again believer. So the question again is, do you believe? Are you saved? Do you have saving faith? Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what do I do? Call upon Him. And keep calling upon Him until His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Because I can't tell you you're saved. Your mom and dad can't tell you you're saved. Your friend at work can't tell you you're saved, though they do sometimes. Here's, here's, say that, repeat after me. Say this little prayer. Okay, you're saved. What, what a heresy that is, isn't it? We can't declare. There's only one who can declare anybody saved, and that's, that's the Lord. Now we can talk to people and we could we could witness to them and 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 you can see a brokenness in them. Well, well, yes. Yeah, see, take them to the Word. Well, here's what the Word says. What what, you, what what's the Spirit of God telling you should do? He tells us to repent. He tells us to confess. He tells us to believe, to receive, and turn from our wicked ways and follow Christ. And if and if that moment, that miracle of salvation happens, there will be a power that they had never had before, the power of the Holy Spirit that will help them do that very thing. There'll be a change. There'll be a new creation. A new creature. Something that never existed before in them because they were dead before. But they will become a new creation in Christ. And there will be a change. An immediate change. Oh, will there be little things that, that as they grow and as they learn? Well, yes. You're not going to be a mature Christian the moment you get saved. No, I'm not saying that. But we will progress in sanctification. When, and in time, we're going to go from the milk of the Word to the meat. You see, and learning and looking to Him.
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord in faith, believing in the completed work of Jesus Christ, will be saved and have saving faith that we can live our life in obedience to what He is asking us to do, trust and obey, that His name would be magnified, glorified on the earth. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give You thanks for Your Word. And Lord, I just pray that You'd help every one of Your children here today to be obedient. Lord, help us all that we would examine our hearts that we would examine our walk, we would examine the words that we say. Just help us to take inventory over the last few weeks, Lord. Just point things out to us. And help us that, that we can stand trusting You. That we can put on the whole armor, Your armor, Lord. And that we can stand. Regardless of what may come our way, that we can stand. Not of our own strength, but in yours. The battle's not ours, but it's yours, Lord. And you're just asking us to stand. So, Father, help us to know. Help us to know when to stand secure. Help us to know when to run if we need to run. Help us to know when to advance if we need to advance. And, Lord, let us go in your power and your strength and not of our own. So, Lord, give us strength for the days ahead. Help us to stand firm. Help us that we may exhibit true saving faith. Not just in word only, but in deed. So Father, just help us. And Lord, should there be someone who is yet lost, I pray that in your timing and in your way, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see truth. That you would shine light into darkness. And that upon seeing your glory, (laughs) their sin revealed upon upon knowing enough truth to know that they're a sinner in the hands of of You, Lord, that they would have no other recourse but to fall before You, before Your glory, repenting of their sins, believing and receiving Christ, and turning and following Him. So, Father, have mercy. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and for His sake, Amen. Amen.